So, tell us a little bit about, you know, your background and how everything, how your life started. <laughs> oh, okay. So, um, I was born in California. Um, I moved up to Oregon when I was five. Um, my mom met a guy at work by the name of Doug when I was about nine, and they moved in together, and that's when my trauma started. Um, that's when things really started getting crazy in my life. Um, I watched a lot of domestic violence for a lot of years. Um, I remember watching him beat my mom up one night, and I grabbed the shotgun that we'd had in our linen closet and I put it in his face and called the cops um, and told him he needed to get out of my house and leave my mom alone. And um, when that relationship ended up spiraling out of control, she blamed me and my sister for that. Um, And it just kind of got worse there. Um, At that point in my life, I learned, um, I guess through watching my mom, like how to not be accountable for my own shit. Um, She was very good at um, the blame game. And like, don't get me wrong. Like I don't believe that domestic violence, the victim shouldn't have any accountability placed on them. They can't control other people. Um, But in the same degree, like, Blaming me for something that I had no control over, you know, just really set set that ball in motion. Um, Absolutely. I dealt with a lot of um, emotional suppression as well. My mom didn't know how to handle her own emotions, and so she didn't know how to uh, help her kids learn to handle their emotions. I'm a twin, um, so she had two of us at all times. Um, and I was so hyper-focused at school on like what was going to happen when I got home, like what kind of trouble I was going to be in at home, but like I didn't focus in school. Um, so I had failing grades, right. And so I'd get in trouble for that. Um, and then my mom and dad, uh, they were never married. Um, but when she had met this abusive lover of hers, um, I, I found out that he had made some kind of threatening comment to my dad. Um, and there was a physical fight that ensued. Um, and I became fearful of my dad um, along with his alcoholism. And so my mom gained full custody of us um, and really played, played us against my dad for a lot of years. Um, and so I didn't have a father figure growing up because I had all of her shit ass boyfriends. Um, she ended up meeting another guy, not, not long after. Um, and he became my stepdad. Um, 
and that was unhealthy uh, in itself. The relationship that they had, the relationship that we had got with him. Um, she really set an example on always needing a man in our life, I guess, to be somebody, be successful, maintain a house, this, that, and the other. Um, and so when I was raped in high school, my freshman year, um, by the neighbor kid, um, I expressed that to my mom later on down the road and I got in a lot of trouble for it. It was my fault that I got raped. Um, I got my head punched in. Um, and then by my stepdad, um, and then, like I didn't know how to handle that because it wasn't safe to tell my family. Like it wasn't safe for me to express anything to them because everything was my fault or I was a liar or I was seeking attention or this, that, and the other. Um, and so I acted out in promiscuity. Right. So, um, I, yeah. I used it as a power and control thing. Um, like you don't get to touch me until I tell you can touch, tell you, you can touch me and I'm going to pretty much like cupcake, you know, like I'm going to think I'm going to make you think you're going to get it and you're not, which in turn, um, got me raped a couple more times. Um, and that just really, you know, kept, kept the ball rolling on in that toxicity. Um, and then, uh, I also grew up kind of an ugly child, <laughs> Um, and so I was made fun of a lot, um, and I didn't have a lot of friends. Um, and so I started smoking pot to uh, maintain a social life. Um, and then high school, I switched schools, um, and then I started getting into heavier drugs like my senior year of high school. Um, I remember going to school, tripping on mushrooms, uh, still high on Molly from, you know, the weekend before, still hungover, um, and, uh, yeah, that's just really, I guess, when it got real bad and out of control was was my senior year of high school. I graduated um, and then just went off the deep end, started doing heroin. Um, yeah. Yeah. You were just trying to numb and escape because yeah. you had no support. No. Everything was being pointed at you. You know, blame was being placed on you that was not ever supposed to be placed on you. There was so much codependency going on, like with your mom and her boyfriends. And she was just not a good example for you. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I'm sure that you were just completely overwhelmed and fed up and you didn't know what to do anymore. There was, there was a time I remember that like, I, I mean, I know that, you know, we, we've all come to understand, like, we weren't who we were in our addiction, where we are who we are now. Um, but even then, I had no sense of self. Um, I was not allowed to express myself um, in a way that I was comfortable. Um, I wasn't allowed to have things up on my walls. Everything that I did was dictated and criticized. And I literally had no sense of self, like, none. And then you know, I was trying to find myself in all of this using and partying and I, and I would buy my friends and I would buy their drugs and and I was accepted socially and I still was a nobody, you know, like I still had no 
sense of self. Um, and then when I started doing heroin, I started stealing from my family. Um, and uh, I started being a hoe, I guess, in a sense, like, I, I prostituted myself out um, to get my fix because that's what, I mean, a lot of girls don't talk about it, um, I think, enough. Um, and I think that it really needs to be talked about, the trafficking in the sex world, or I in agree. the drug world, uh, the prostitution in the drug yeah. world. Like, I hear all the time guys talk about, oh, I found my worth in this big fucking bag that I had. But you don't really hear women be super vulnerable and say, yeah, man, I prostituted. I sold my body because that's what I had. That's where my worth was. That's how I stayed yeah. well. Exactly. Um, no, I've I've certainly done that a few times myself it comes to that point you know yeah. i mean addiction we don't have the uh luxury of telling our disease to hold on like right. when our disease tells us to jump we say okay how high Absolutely. like seriously you know we will we'll do things that we don't want to do but we're going to do them because our disease is telling us that is the only way you can get through this day and that's what you're going to do right like i live for one day at a time now like what can i do these next 24 hours to stay clean and i remember there was a point in my life like what can i do in these next 24 hours so i am not sick tomorrow that's and right Yes. I do today. I work as hard on my recovery as I had to, to get loaded. No yes. matter what that looks like. Absolutely. Girl. I am there with you. Yes. Wow. I'm so happy you brought that up. Seriously. That was so brave and it really does need to be talked about. That is the reality. Okay. Like people can go ahead and say that, you know, they got through it easy and whatever like no mm -mm. I love not. when I talk I love when I talk to girls and they're like oh I was never a bag hoe like I have a really hard time believing that because like I know where my addiction took me and I I held on to that shame and guilt for a really long time and I didn't want that to be a part of my story but the reality of it is that is a part of my story and that also perpetuated why I had so much guilt and shame and I kept using. And you right? it like, kept the ball going. It's a yeah. snowball. Absolutely. It's a big circle. Absolutely. I remember being passed around um, on heroin and I started down here in Medford, Oregon. And before I knew it, I was somewhere off in like the deep woods in Grants Pass, Oregon. And I walked all the way to a highway that was familiar and I had no idea how I got there. I was half naked. It was in the middle of summer. I got, as soon as I got to this highway, like you could tell that I was super messed up and I was not having a good time. And some random strangers down at this house had saw me, gave me some water, gave me a ride to town. And I still have no idea like how I got back to my sister who I was staying with eventually. Um, and at that point I was like, I don't want I don't want to use heroin anymore. I'll do whatever it takes to get off of this heroin. And I met this guy who is like, Hey, you want to smoke some meth? And I was like, well, I've never done meth, but I don't want to do heroin anymore. So yeah, like 
yeah, I'll smoke some meth and I'll fuck you and just get me through these next three days through these withdrawals. And then I won't do any meth anymore. And that was a joke. That was yeah. a joke. Like, um, way worse. Yeah. It's, they are two totally different nightmares. Yes. Two totally different nightmares. Um, I ended up being with this guy who, um, he was 39 at the time and I was 23. Um, and he got me high on meth. And like I said, the initial deal was he was going to get me loaded for a couple of days on, on this so I could get over my heroin withdrawals and then I'd be on my merry way. He knew better than I that that was not going to happen. Um, and, uh, he ended up being extremely domestically violent. Um, and I was even more at a loss of a sense of self. My name changed. Yeah. I was no longer Sam. Um, I was not allowed to be called Sam. My new name was Jen. Um, I was isolated even more than my addiction led me. Um, wow. I was beat up. I was sexually assaulted. Um, I remember there being times I would wake up um, and he would be on me or in me um, without my permission. Um, I ended up having to shave my whole head because we would get into verbal altercations and I'd go to walk away and he'd grab me by the back of the hair and slam me on the ground to the point where I had bald patches and I had to shave my head. Like by the time I left this man, I couldn't even hold a conversation with somebody. Um, you were so defeated. I, I was a shell of a person like, um, the abuse took me to a whole different level of rock bottom. Um, and I was unaware that people could be so fucking ugly and scary and demented. Um, but that just perpetuated and kept that ball rolling. I left him to go be on the streets. Um, and that was in Medford where I live currently. Um, and I left back to my hometown of Grants Pass. Um, Oregon, um, where I was on the streets there. And I went from just smoking a little bit here and then to being a full-blown IV user. Um, I walked into treatment weighing 92 pounds. Um, and in that time, I had gotten pregnant with my son, Atticus. Um <laughs> That little boy saved my life. Um, like, I don't I don't think he realizes it. I mean, he's four, so of course he doesn't realize it. But he is the whole reason that I am clean and that I continue to strive in my recovery. Um, Absolutely, girl. God knows when he knows. My daughter did the same thing. I'm so happy to hear that. I didn't even want kids. Like I didn't think that I was going to ever have a child. Um, and I figured that like my birth control was just going to keep everything. a Okay. And the fact that I was so strung out that everything was going to, I, Atticus is an oops baby. And I, I was on birth control when I got pregnant. Um, and if that's not like divine intervention, I don't know what that is. If that's not my higher power doing for me what I can't, I don't know what it is, you know, like, um, Granted, I was loaded with him my entire pregnancy. 
Um, there was an open DHS case. I was loaded up until four days before I had him and I had Braxton Hicks so bad that I could not use. Um, and that in itself was saving grace. Because uh, they tested my blood when I got there because I had given my OB dirty UAs. Um, and they couldn't take him from me at that point because I had I, I had clean blood and urine. Um, but I relapsed shortly what? after. I, I had relapsed shortly after, um, about a month after I'd had him, because um, I was trying to keep my family unit together. Um, but then I got pregnant again before I was given the okay to, uh, you know, start being intimate with my partner. I had gotten pregnant again. Um, I tried to keep that baby, um, and my body had not healed enough from having Atticus and being strung out. Um, that I ended up having to have an abortion. Um, mm, at girl, I'm weeks. so sorry. 26 weeks. That's more than half the gesta gestational period. Um, I could only imagine how hard that was. Yeah. That's, that's one of the biggest things I've had to work on in my step work, um, as far as forgiveness and the guilt and shame. Um, and to be 100% honest, I don't think that I'll ever get over it. Um, but I had to do what I had to do as a already brand new mother. Um, so it was either yeah, I girl. abort this fetus and remain the mother to Atticus or keep this fetus and potentially die. And then my right. already born son would be without a mother. Yeah. You know what? Whatever decision you make is the right one. Really. And don't ever let anybody tell you otherwise. I try not to share that at meeting level just because, like, I judge my, I'm, you know, I'm my own worst critic. I don't need other people in my ear. I know that this is between me and the God of my understanding. And I know that the God of my understanding already knew that this was going to take place and that I had to seek right. him to continue to keep going. And so that's what I try to do. Um, that's right, girl. You're so strong. That perpetuated my using, though. I mean, that was just another of those momentum pushes forward to keep using and keep being numb. And I just woke up one morning. Actually, I didn't even wake up. Uh, I hadn't. I remember sitting on the bed of an ex-boyfriend of mine, getting ready, crying my eyes out. I can't do this anymore. I can't do this. I want to be a mom. Like I had all these visions of mom and taking my son to feed duckies and playing with him and this, that, and the other. And his dad had him for reasons I won't really go into just because it's time consuming. But um, his dad ended up having him. His dad was just as loaded as I was. Excuse me, not his dad. Jeffrey is his dad now. His sperm donor had him. Um, and, uh, and I missed him and his sperm donor and her, his new girlfriend weren't allowing me to see my son. Um, and I just was crying and I was praying like, if there's a God, like help me find a treatment that I can bring Atticus with me to. And da, 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 da. so I started going to um, intensive outpatient. I had gone on my own volition because I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. Um, and within 
three weeks of me going to outpatient treatment and praying, um, I had got accepted into a mommy and me program, which was eight hours away from my location. And by the grace of God, I made it there strung out of my fucking mind. Um, but I made it there. Um, Good job. That is so wonderful. It took a long time to surrender, though. Like, I went in there thinking, I'm going to do this my way. I'm going to get just enough knowledge that I need so I can leave and go be loaded responsibly. (laughs) Because in my mind, that was a thing. Um, And anybody that knows that, you know, that's not a thing. You can't just, you can't use responsibly. Um, no at way. Least not- we cannot ration anything out. <laughs> no. Nope. Um, and, and like I said, it took a while to surrender. It took about four months. I was in a six-month program. Um, and uh, I had no bond with my son. I took care of him when he was born out of obligation for human life, uh, but not because he was my child and because I loved him because I didn't want a kid. Um, and I certainly didn't think that I was fit to be a mom. Um, but like I said before, my, my higher power knew different, um, and did things for me that I couldn't do for myself and making me a mother was one of those things. And I strive every day to, to be the best mommy I can be. And I fall short a lot of days. Um, but I have a lot of support and I continue to reach out to that support and, like, man, it's been a struggle. Wow. Yeah, you certainly have been through quite a bit in your life. A lot, a lot. And it's such an amazing testimony to, you know, I guess I don't want to say God, but it is like to the higher power, like, your higher power really had a plan for you through all of this crazy emotional just stuff that was just so hard. But wow, what a blessing. I mean, I'm just so happy that you are working at your recovery every day and you have your son Atticus and you're trying to be the best mom you can be. I do that too, girl. Like, I certainly fall short of being a good mom, in my opinion, a lot of days. Like, I could do so much better. But we just keep trying. We keep utilizing our support and just doing the next right thing, you know? I I do my best to um, live in the solution instead of the problem now. Um, I work really hard at... uh, breaking that generational cycle. It's so easy to react to children and their behavior than respond. Um, And I've noticed that when I'm getting to the point of reacting instead of responding to him in a calm and loving manner, it's because something has been triggered inside of me and I don't know how to deal with it. And I know that that stems back to when I was a kid um, and I didn't know how to deal with my emotions. And then as a young adult, I didn't know how to deal with my emotions. And so being a parent has helped me heal and has taught me so much. And now I work as a peer support specialist um, with homeless people who struggle with severe mental health, uh, chronic homelessness, drug and alcohol addiction. Um, And so it's really just 
it's helped me in all aspects of my life. Um, there's always a solution to the problem. Um, and it's, it's difficult to seek that out, but you know, when you have that strong support system and that safety net, like what we can, what we cannot do alone, we can do together. Right. So if I'm having a problem trying to find the solution, I get to call my sponsor nowadays and say, Hey, this is my problem. And if she doesn't call, I go down my phone list. Who can I call so I can stay in the solution and not in the problem? A lot of my problems stems from not staying in gratitude. Like I have to be grateful. I get to go to work every day. I get to to face the trials and tribulations of being a mom. I get to navigate adulthood. I don't have to do this stuff. I get to because I had a second chance at life. Wow. You are so inspiring. I just love listening to the way your brain works. (laughs) I love it. Well, I am here without listening to a lot of people before me in meetings. I, I love listening to the people that have more time than me. I got a little bit of, you know, some, I've got three and a half years, so I have a little bit of time. Um, I love congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> um, yes. I love hearing what people say. Yeah, I, I think that when we, I think that when we, when we step out of gratitude, um, and things like normal things start becoming a burden, that's what could send us back out when we start feeling overwhelmed, um, tired, lonely, hungry all that kind of stuff. Like I get to worry about what I'm going to make for dinner tonight instead of worrying about where my next meal is coming from. Yeah. I get to be angry today in a healthy way so I can figure out where that's coming from so I can heal that part of me that needs healing. When I'm lonely, I get to pick up the phone and reach out when before I had to go look for Wi-Fi to get a hold of anybody on my phone. Like, I get to do all of this shit today because I put one foot in front of the other and I made the next right move and I went to meetings and I listened to the old timers. I listened to the people who had more time than me and I followed in their footsteps. Absolutely. See, it's like now when you stepped into recovery, you finally had a good example. Like, you know, like, your parents totally did not do that for you. And now, oh my gosh, that's amazing that, you know, the people in recovery just really are so supportive and they are so patient and they can teach us so much. Like even you right now, this podcast, like you're just teaching me so much. It's wonderful. I love it. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. Like, you're going to help so many people. You already do. But, like, dude, this is just everything you do is going to help so many people. And I just, like, literally love your mindset. I do. It's just so refreshing and beautiful. I love it. Thank you. Wow. I, I finally have a sense of self now. You know, I'm I'm a mom. Um, 
but I don't, with that being said, I'm not just a mom. I feel like, um, you know, for any newly recovering moms, any new moms, period, any moms who might be struggling, like, listen, when I say you are more than just a mother, right? You are a light. You are somebody who keeps the house running. You are somebody's foundation. And that should be empowering. Like, I struggle a lot with um, mental health. And sometimes I have to remind myself I am enough. I'm more than enough. Um, I am loved. I am lovable. I have integrity. I am trustworthy. And I bring light and hope to people. Right? And even if it's just for my son that day, I'm still more than a mom. Yeah. Yeah, you are. That's so true. Really. Like we have so much purpose in this world, you know? And I truly believe if we're not helping somebody or, you know, yeah, like it, we just don't feel fulfilled, like living a selfish life hurts us internally it really keeps us like glowing and everyone else around us. It's just contagious when you're positive and, you know, can be that light for somebody really. Absolutely. But I mean, in the same regard, like my life isn't always positive and I'm all, I'm not always delightful and that's okay. It's also okay to not be okay, but don't sit in that shit right. forever. Don't sit in it, feel it work on it, move through it. Um, you know, cause those are the kinds of things that would take me right back out. Like, yeah. Um, I just had to have a, a hysterectomy at 30 years old. Um, and in my mind, all of this shit is because I had to have an abortion so late term. Cause all this shit didn't start until after I'd had that abortion. So now I am dealing with the fact that I'm feeling defective as a woman because I have it trained in my mind that I'm only a mom, but I'm not, right? And so I get to work through the feelings of not being enough, even though I am enough. I get to deal with the feelings of um, I'm not a complete woman, even though I am. I've already brought a child into this world, um, and I can still be a mom again. There's many babies out there that need healthy homes, and I can offer that someday. Um, yeah. But – before, that kind of shit would have taken me right back out. I would have been right back out and loaded with a needle in my arm if I had not had the support that I did. Um, but I get to deal with that stuff today in a healthy manner, and I get to continue to work on it through my stuff work and through um, being of service and calling my sponsor and reaching out and being vulnerable. Right? I, I am worthy. And so are you. I mean, you're a mom, right? Yeah. When was the last time you told yourself that you're worthy and you're enough? Oh, man, it's been a while. <laughs> See, but you've reminded me today that, you know, we are enough. We really are. Like, we are such amazing people, even if we're not okay all the time, you know, like, we're still human, but just having an open heart and an open mind to be uh, what word am I looking for? Like to be susceptible to different solutions, 
you know, in different just ways of thinking and treating ourselves, like all the positive affirmations that you just said about yourself, like we all need to say that to ourselves every day, multiple times Whether you're a day. Mom like, or not. Yes, that's right. Every single person in the world, we Absolutely. have to understand that, you know, we are enough. Wow. Well, goodness. I just love your story so much. Do you um, spend a lot of time, you know, going to meetings and stuff? Um, I did in the very beginning. Um, I haven't been to as many meetings lately, um, but but that's just because uh, Atticus is at the age now where he um, is very much a distraction. And so I spend more time worrying about what he's doing than paying attention to the message. Um, and also I, excuse me, um, the job that I do is kind of emotionally exhausting. Um, so when I get home, I just kind of want to re relax a little bit. Yeah. Um, really, I'm just making excuses. I have uh, no reason to not go to meetings, um, especially because I could find a sitter. But um, I just haven't lately. Um, and it's working okay for me right now. Yeah. Hey, that's okay. When I, when I get to the point where I'm feeling like a mess, I start going to meetings. Um, but I, I talk yeah. to my sponsor pretty regularly. Um and I'm of service at work all the time um, so that, you know, we can only keep what we have by giving it away is what, you know, my literature says. And so I give it away pretty much daily. <laughs> um, but I haven't been to as many meetings as I should be going to. You know, that's okay. I have not either. And... You know, it is hard. Like, yeah, they are excuses, but, you know, it's it's hard. But at least when we know we are struggling and need support, we'll reach out. That's, like, one of the number one things that we have to utilize in recovery, you know, straight up. Because if Absolutely. we don't reach out for help, we could pick up again and... You know, if we're feeling so alone, left to our own devices, we will, we possibly won't make the right decision because we're right. so emotional. Right. I, uh, I used to not reach out because my addict likes to isolate me and tell me that nobody cares um, and that I am really alone and people have their own lives and, and da, 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 da. Um, and so I allowed that voice to be dominant in my head for a really long time. Um, and then I started doing something called EMDR therapy, which is uh, really intensive trauma therapy um, because the domestic violence stuff was manifesting um, in my dreams. Um, I was getting hypervigilant again, really jumpy. So I started seeking out therapy Um and when we had talked about my abortion, um, it had really triggered some some suppressed stuff. Um, and I wanted to pick up. 
Uh, and so I was sitting on my own. Um, I went through my phone list. I decided, you know what, I'm going to call my sponsor. She didn't pick up. So I have a list of many women in my phone. And I called two people and they didn't answer. And I called another person and I was determined to get a hold of somebody. If none of the women in my phone list answered, then I was going to call my brothers in recovery because I have that as well. Um, and somebody answered and, and they talked me through it because what I've learned is that feelings are not facts. Um, and they're valid, but they're not facts. Um, Absolutely. And... Uh, so I, I, I talked with her about it for a little while and I felt much better and I didn't want to use anymore. Um, yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> that really is, you know, it's like you persevered through because it does get a little discouraging, you know, when you call three people in a row and they don't answer, but I'm so proud of you. Like recovery really is just, a moment by moment thing, you know, like we just have to, like you said, put one foot in front of the other, just keep, just keep going, you know? It's, right. Well, if it was the dope man and the first three dope men didn't answer, I'd keep going down the phone list until somebody answered. So why would I not do that for my recovery? That's right, girl. See, and that's so eye opening. It really is like, when you want it bad enough, we find a way in recovery or in active addiction. But recovery, man, is so much more powerful when we use that determination to, like, just fix ourselves. And, you know, it's beautiful. Oh, I love your story. Thank you Thanks. for sharing with us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yes, girl. Well, you let me know, though, is there anything else that you would like to add? Um, anything you want to say to anyone struggling still? You know, girl, anything you want to say, you say it. If there is. I mean, if, if you're struggling right now, reach out. Um, I mean, you can reach out to me if you want, if, like... If I'm allowed to give my information, like my, so my TikTok at is um, Rise Up Phoenix, Ooh, um, yeah. and uh, my Facebook is just Samantha Haley. H A L E Y is how you spell my last name. Please feel free to reach out. Um, my phone is on twenty four seven, no matter what. Um, and I have no problem waking up in the middle of the night to answer a phone call. If there's a time difference, um, please don't hesitate to call. Um, and I think that we hyper-focus on like the drug use. Um, and I think that we forget that our drug use is but a secondary symptom, right? To yeah. trauma and hurt and anger. Um, and if you're feeling some type of way and you don't know how to handle those feelings, please, please, please reach out to me um, so we can just talk about it. Because like I said before, what we cannot do alone, we can do together. Um, this is a we program, not a me program. I got absolutely nowhere listening to my own damn self, right? I had to get out of my own way 
in order to get where I'm at. And it's, you know, second by second, minute by minute, day by day, um, just like it is when we're, we're out using, you know, um, if you, if you put as much effort into getting clean and, and your recovery as you do to get that bag, to get that, that, uh, hookup, whether it's drugs, sex, whatever, like put that, that same effort into your recovery and those days will weeks into months into years so just please 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 do not let that addict inside your head tell you guys and tell you that you are not worth it because you absolutely are if nobody else said it, i love you and i am proud of you and i am here for you no matter what Oh my gosh, you're so wonderful. Thank you, Samantha. This is awesome. I'm so happy you came on the show today. Like, I appreciate really. the opportunity. Yes. You've shared so much just golden everything. <laughs> everything you said today was wonderful. And it's going to make an impact. It's made an impact in my life. And every single person who listens is just going to be moved by your story and your advice and your everything. Like, so seriously, thank you. And I just can't wait for this episode to get out. <laughs> I'm excited. Thank you so much for letting me share. Yes. Oh, thank you. Um, well... That concludes this episode of Raw Recovery. And thank you all so much for listening. And thank you, Samantha, for coming on. And just seriously, thank you all. And we will see y'all next time. <laughs> Excited. Thank you so much for letting me share. Yes. Oh, thank you. Um, well, that concludes this episode of Raw Recovery. And thank you all so much for listening. And thank you, Samantha, for coming on. And just seriously, thank you all. And we will... See y'all next time. <laughs> yeah.